0: Welcome to another episode of the Big Picture Business Podcast. We are so happy that you are here with us. I'm really excited. Steven is here with us, you guys. Listen, he's amazing. We've been chatting for a year and he is one of those entrepreneurs, business owners, where every single thing that he posts, I'm like, yes. Oh my gosh. Why didn't I think of that? Seriously? <laughs> so I'm so excited that he's here with us. He is a digital marketer. He is just like a jack of all trades, he has his own podcast and he helps business leaders, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs create winning digital strategies to map and meet their goals. TDGR podcast offers weekly insights, tips and tricks from the bleeding edge of digital marketing. Hi Stephen. welcome.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're here.
0: You have no idea. I'm
1: super excited. Yet. Like I've been bragging all week. I'm like it's it's the week I'm I'm doing this. This is so great. Yeah, so I'm like <laughs> I'm so glad that we could line up the schedules. And when you sent the invite for the for the actual calendar, I was like, oh, wait, I can actually pick a date that works. So yeah, I'm fan. I'm so excited about this.
0: <laughs> Good. Well, I'm I'm like a super fan of your podcast. And so it's I appreciate that. Yeah. It's just really, I'm just very happy you're here. I know I keep saying that, but it's it's true. <laughs> so welcome, welcome. So listen, I want to talk to you about, I mean, we're we're just gonna jump right in talking about digital and social media strategies. And how and why did that become a passion for you? Like, give us a little bit of background on how you entered into this world and just started loving it.
1: Yeah. So it's funny. I had, I had about 20 years of sales and management experience before I even discovered marketing and what it was. Hmm. And so, you know, I I've done every kind of sales there, but I mean, from like door to door sales to the only thing I haven't sold is cars, insurance, and houses. So like I've, I've sold cable, I've done you know, internet stuff, like all kinds of stuff. Um, But then I I worked for a company that was an inbound call center and their, their slogan was outsource Iowa, not India. Mm -hmm. And they were for, you could outsource your tech support, your customer. And I was in a position where I was doing more of the business development side. And my, my job was to try and reach out and get clients to sit down with their director of sales and basically say, Hey, you should be outsourcing your customer service to us. And um, in that time, I did what I didn't realize at the time was a competitive analysis. And I said, OK, so let's see what our competition is doing and how they're drawing its clients. And what I realized is the website was super outdated. We were on social media, but hadn't posted in like six months. Um, we, there was, there was, it was just awful. It was bad. It was bad. So intuitively, I started sending emails to the, their director of marketing and saying, hey, we should do this. Hey, I noticed this. Hey, I noticed that. And she goes, no, nah, no, nah, you know, we, we don't invest too much in that. Don't worry about it. And then about two weeks later, um, the CEO sent out an email to the entire company saying, hey, our director of marketing is coming up with some brilliant ideas. We're going to be revamping our website. We're going to be doing So basically, she took all the ideas that I had and pushed it out to the company. And at the time, I was like, okay, well, I'm not too worried about it. But then I noticed more and more. And then she would come back and ask me for more and more. And then she would get all the credit. And so I, you know, I'm a team player, but it comes to a point where you're like, "Eh, that's not cool. You know, this is kind of career. This is a career limiting move. You know what I'm saying? So I uh, went to a friend of mine who owned a tattoo shop, and I just again, on a complete whim, said, "Hey, I think I've got a knack for this digital marketing stuff, especially social media. I'm really good at spotting trends, I'm really good at Facebook and all this. Um, let me ask you some questions." And I sat down and I asked him about fifty questions and wrote down all the answers on notebooks. And I came back to him a week later with a full digital strategy literally off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And what was really cool about it was he implemented it, and he said he saw, a massive growth. He ended up, we're in the middle of Iowa and he had a client reach out to him for a certain type of transdermal piercing that he did, um, from Las Vegas. And she flew in from Las Vegas just to get, cause he was the only person that was licensed to do this anywhere in North America. And so he's like, nobody would have known about this for if it wasn't for you. So at that point, I knew there was something to it. Um, this is like 2015. Uh, my dad passed away that same year unfortunately and I really kind of reevaluated some things because it was it was a hard hit for me and my wife sat down we were actually we were driving and she said you know this whole paycheck to paycheck thing isn't really working well for us and and you know we're a little older but I think you should go back to school and at the time she was a full-time LPN nurse and I said okay if we can if you think we can afford it and uh so we did. I went back to school and I, I went for marketing and I ended up winning an award for marketing that had never been given out by the school.
2: Wow. Um, yeah,
1: it was really cool. And it hasn't been given out since. The guy retired without giving it out again. So I was pretty proud of that. Um, and that's I knew I knew that was the right path. So it turns out I didn't love I thought I loved sales because I was really good at it. I don't love sales. I love providing solutions and helping companies communicate what their solutions are to clients problems. Mm-hmm. And, and I like helping brands and companies reach out and, and discover new ways of communicating with customers. And that's marketing in a nutshell. I mean, if, if you can figure out how to talk to people here and solve their problems, that's it. That's the ballgame, right? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, the long and short of how I ended up getting into marketing. So I got my bachelor's degree in marketing in, in 2019 um, and happened to get a job right before the global pandemic hit. So timing is good there. <laughs> And they were a complete digital firm. I was there for two years. And then this last year, I, uh, this year, actually, I, I kind of struck out on my own.
0: Was there something that happened? I've got to ask, like an event or something that occurred We were like, you yeah, know, I'm just going to see how this is going to work going totally on my own.
1: Kind <laughs> of. Okay. Um, I, so I, after year one, I got a yearly review and I was told that I was um, irreplaceable. And that uh that I was you know I was helping with all the strategy stuff, um, and that it was not just for our clients but for our company, and it was going really well and then um, by the next year, I had helped grow our department massively, and we were having a lot of fun with it and the review I don't know if there was a breakdown in communication or what, but uh, it went from uh, i'm you're irreplaceable to we've hired the replacement. <gasps> And it was very out of left field for me. And, and I think at that point in the conversation, there was a lot that happened in between. But at that point in the conversation, I was like, okay. Wow. And I, I just, I felt like, you know, I'm working on my master's degree now. So I'm in a position financially where it kind of made sense to say, okay, let's give this a try. You know what I mean? I think I, think I can make this work. And my wife uh, also, strangely enough, is doing a career change. She went from, you know, almost 20 years in nursing to, and breaking her back in that, in doing the thing that she really loves which is uh, accounting so she ended up getting a job for the local school district as their um as their payroll accountant and she started this week absolutely loves it she's so good at it and so it just all the stars are aligning right and my favorite part has always been the kind of the consulting side of it so
2: yeah
0: what an incredible team you and your wife to be oh, able God. to cha- champion each other and just be like you know what so what? It doesn't matter how old we are. doesn't matter how young we are. We're just going to do what we're going to do because we know we're not going to stay stuck. Just keep moving forward. Awesome yeah. that you yeah. have that support.
2: You know, I want to quickly dive into transition from employee to entrepreneur. Yeah. What were some, some <laughs> uh, tips and strategies that you could give people for making that transition?
1: So part of th- that's a great question. Part of the reason that I left is because I felt, um, for lack of better terms, micromanaged. Um, I felt like every minute had to be accounted for. Um, And I was working virtually. I've been working virtually since March of of last year. So, and I've been more productive, but for some reason I was still being very managed. And I'm the kind of person that needs structure, but if there's too much structure, then I get super frustrated, (laughs) like most people do, right? Right. Especially when I, I felt like it was unwarranted at the time. So when I transitioned to the entrepreneur side, it was kind of interesting for me because i, I i'm used to waking up at 5:30 every morning that's that's my routine i wake up at 5:30 even though i didn't have to be on the clock until 7:30 right so it gives you time to wake up get your breakfast all that but now it's i have to i mean i keep checklists of all the things that i want to make sure i do you know if there's certain clients that i have deadlines for and i work in a very very I, I i don't know if this is unique because i've only worked for one agency but i'm very collaborative So I almost, when I have a client, depending on the project or whatever, I almost work as if I am their employee. So I say, okay, this week, these are the things that I'm gonna work on on your behalf. We'll touch base here and there and see what's going on. And so it's been like basically being able to not only be my own boss, but basically choose my bosses as as people get hire me. And that is, is so mind boggling. When you don't have to be tied to a clock and you can say, okay, I need to step away. I need to grab some lunch. I want to go hang out with my kids for an hour. And this, just no, I'm going to clock on at seven o'clock clock on at seven o'clock to do my own to get some work done. There's something to that—the freed up schedule thing—that's just awesome. And so, if if you're going to make the transition to entrepreneur, plan, 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 plan your week. And so, we'll probably touch on this at some point, but I'm going to throw it in there now because I think it's it's really relevant. I'm a big fan of not only micro goals and macro goals, but nano goals, day to day, sometimes minute to minute, hour by hour. And so when you have that planned out, whether it's digitally on, uh, on, a, on a phone or written down somewhere, when you have the nano goals of the things you wanna get done, the checklist that you wanna get done, it makes life so much easier because everything's more organized. So I have a, an office mate here. Uh, really wants to leave the room. Can I take just a second to let him out? Hi. He's like, oh, no.
0: Now that the attention's on me. Hi, Sonny.
1: (laughs) He's my office mate. He's like, we're supposed to be done working. Yeah. (laughs) That's yeah. sweet. <laughs> all, right, I'm like, I'll right back. all right. Sure. No, it's fine. That's
0: another perk about being an entrepreneur. You can have all your pets just in your office right at your feet hanging yeah. out. Yeah,
1: that, my favorite is like he'll be dead silent all day, laying on that bed, half asleep. And then the minute I get on a call with like one of the <laughs> biggest clients, he's like, whoa, 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 you know, somebody's at the door. You have to check of it out. Or it's nothing. And I'm just going. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's life. It's but life. you know. Yeah. If one thing the pandemic has given us, it's a better understanding of what it's like to work from home. And we all seem to communicate better. We all seem to be more compassionate.
0: Oh, I agree completely. But I don't know if you guys ever saw this video. It was of this newscaster and he was trying to like deliver the news or the weather and his kid just like bust in like it's nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now that's yeah, yeah. literally everyone's reality with kids. Yeah. Oh, so much compassion. <laughs>
2: my my favorite yeah. one was the lawyer who was a cat.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so great. Um, it's actually, I think it, the meme is actually lawyer cat. And it's, yeah. it's still huge. In fact, somebody actually, you talk about NFTs. Somebody actually took a video of that and sold it for a ton of money as an NFT.
0: Oh, my gosh. Can you? Yeah, see? brilliant, right? My like cat.
1: capturing a piece of, oh, so crazy.
0: That's one of the better videos I've seen yeah so and, good. And, and just the commentary behind it too he's like i'm not a cat <laughs>
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i promise i take this seriously i'm yeah. not a cat i don't know how to stop this yeah <laughs> so good yeah and the cat's just like yeah, you know, <laughs> so love that stuff
0: you gotta love the judge too that was like i'm sure trying not to laugh you know oh yeah
1: yeah absolutely he was like probably if you're if you put yourself in that judge's place he's probably like a mix between pissed amused (laughs) that's an emotional roller coaster right there at first and so that's kind of funny but what are you doing but it's my core yeah yeah (laughs) so many emotions
0: (sighs) oh my gosh well you mentioned the
1: dog or my son
0: right that's oh your pup is sweet Sonny. Mm. appreciate that yeah so you talked about being able to spot digital trends Is that, is that something that you, like you wake up in the morning and you're constantly seeking and looking for them, or is it more of something you notice just out in the world? What, what is that process like for you?
1: It's a little both. So I I like to say that I can't shut my marketing mind off because it's true. I see marketing and everything. In fact, I went and saw the Paw Patrol movie with my son earlier today, and there's a scene in the movie where uh, they go to this whole new tower and, and all the pups are super excited. And I thought to myself, how the heck did they pay for this thing? Like they just had a huge tower built in the middle of a city in no time. Where did they get the money for it? And uh, I swear this, I, I think it's so funny. <laughs> the character said, one of the puppies says to the, to the main character, um, how can we afford this? <laughs> and he literally goes, oh, it's officially licensed merch. And he holds up a shirt. And I went, that's brilliant. marketing." Okay because one, yes, that merch exists. And two, that explains everything, you know? So I, I can't not see that, first off. But secondly, most people turn on CNN, NBC, ABC, Fox, whatever, they turn on the news, uh, um, NPR. I, I look for, I watch, I go to socialmediatoday.com or I look for, I look at The Verge or I look, I, I, I'm a junkie for this stuff. And I look for any little thing that I think could be huge. Mm-hmm. And when I see that, uh, I dive into it. My first thought is, okay, one, is this a flash in the pan, or two, is this something that I could see telling my current clients or future clients about, and how they're going to be able to take advantage of it to grow their business. And that's kind of I, I've learned. At first, I used to have a lot of imposter syndrome, so I would question everything. But now I just trust my gut. And and after that comes from not being afraid to be vocal about trends as I see them, and then seeing them take off, and and knowing, okay. I kind of have an Nostradamus thing with this stuff. Like I, this is a, this is, this is something I'm good at. Trust it. Trust. You guys had an episode a while back where you talked about somebody who was like, trust the universe. That's what's up. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's amazing how much comes from that entrepreneurship business owner intuition where it's like this, it feels right. We just gotta, we gotta go for it. We gotta rip the bandaid off. Let's go for it and see what happens. Cause if you don't, if you miss the boat, so to speak. That was my experience with Instagram reels, for example. Yeah. I saw everyone I doing to tell you. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I saw everyone doing these reels. And I was like, eh, <sighs> one more thing, but it's still doing well. So
1: yeah. So uh, true story. I have a client that I had worked with um, a while back, and I told him uh, that he needed this was about two, three months ago. I was like, listen, anytime you do video content, try to go live on Instagram and do behind the scenes of it so that you can get a whole nother piece of content or do a behind the scenes reel, hmm. and he did. He threw together a behind the scenes reel, and it had um, 10,500 views in less than 24 hours. Yeah, and yeah. he said it was the most successful. Reels are a big deal, but the good news is you're you you have a chance to make it up. Okay, I know you guys are big on Facebook. Facebook has just announced that they are testing Facebook Reels—that is the Instagram Reels for Facebook in India—which means it's coming to America probably in the next couple months. So. You know what I'm going to
2: say? Yeah. Well, and there's go real the ads way. now that yeah. just came out. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which my so account fun. has still has not been approved. It's like, oh, really? I've right? spent millions of dollars with Facebook. Why can't you just give me these permissions, <laughs> please? I still like the ability to put captions on reels and all that. Nope. Sorry. Because <laughs> my account's well, so old.
1: Let me ask this. Do you have access? If you go to post something on your personal account, Mm-hmm. You have access to Facebook rooms. Like it, it usually says post, post picture. So I'm a beta tester for that and didn't even know it. So rooms was officially announced for groups. Now, if you're in any groups, you yeah. can see that you have rooms, blah, blah, blah. Well, I, if I go to post uh, uh, just a regular Facebook post, I have the option to start a room at any time and I can invite anybody I'm connected. I thought everybody had that.
0: <laughs> One can dream. If you do, I mean, since you do, yay jump, jump on that. Like if those yeah. opportunities are presented to you, oh my gosh, like Rory, for example, you have the ability to run ads on reels, do it.
1: You're going to get a huge edge there, especially with them doing the testing of Facebook reels. I mean, if you have the ads already there that, I mean, early adopters get the lion's share of, of everything, you
0: know, 100%. 100%. Yeah.
2: And, and that's, um, you know, I t- that's what I talk about, like opportunities change, mm-hmm. right? you have to utilize the ones that are available now to you, you know, whatever it is, because I, like, I remember back when Facebook ads were like, you know, not even a cent to get a lead. Right. <laughs> and man. you know, now, I mean, you're like how many dollars or hundreds of dollars am I spending to get a lead? Right. Yeah. Um, the even opportunity that. changed, Right.
0: <laughs> even before that, it's like, how the hell do I set up the retargeting for this? Because Facebook's changed again, Yeah, you know?
2: I, I know uh, we had an episode where I was talking about like priming the pixel, right? Yes,
1: I stole that. I'm sorry, Rory. I
2: stole you didn't that
0: You did steal it. No, you utilized I stole it.
1: ever living hell out of that. Well, but good. I use it like, like it's my job because it kind of is. But yeah, but I do give you a lot of credit. Like when I'm talking to clients, I'm like, listen, if you haven't checked out the Big Picture Business podcast, you need to. These guys were on point with this. But
2: yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I want to hear what you have I appreciate that. But I wanted to know, like, how are you using that in your business and with your clients to start Facebook account, ad accounts and things like that, and to really like get everything prepared for running actual marketing?
1: So the Facebook likes campaign idea that you, that you spoke about where you keep one, where you start at a certain budget and then you lower it and you just keep it running. <laughs> that right there is gold. Like I, I, I always thought of, and I've talked about this on my show. I've talked about this with clients. I always thought of likes as a vanity metric. I didn't see the actual value of, duh, you know, this, this shows Facebook literally who your audience is. So I've had, I have a lot of clients now who are down to not a lot of ad spend on likes campaigns, but they keep it trickling because that algorithm is always learning and you got to feed it, you know? So I, I, that was probably the most valuable takeaway I had from that episode. That's one of my favorite episodes you guys have done because I started out just listening passively. And then by the time I was home, I had to start over and grab a notebook because I'm like, brilliant. This is gold. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. If awesome. you want to know where I get my news from, do that. Oh, that's awesome. Right there. Yeah. Thanks. But
2: you're, you're providing so much them. great information today. Like, I'm like taking notes too.
0: <laughs> Seriously.
2: But something uh, we wanted to ask you about because we know you do a lot of SEO, but we wanted to dive into the VEO. Oh. Yeah. Voice engine optimization.
1: Absolutely. So that's a great point. It it is something that is, is critical because there are a lot of people think of the algorithm, right? And they don't realize that there's not one, there's many, many, many algorithms. And it's not just Facebook that has many algorithms. It's Instagram, it's YouTube. It's it's um, I mean, heck Netflix has a bunch of algorithms, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, the voice engine optimization is huge because uh, everybody is asking Siri, or they're asking, um, nobody uses Cortana anymore, let's be honest. But they were asking <laughs> Cortana for a while. Yeah, well, thank you, Great. Alexa. Google, half the time I'm talking, my assistant picks up and is like, Yeah, what do you need? But um, <laughs> always listening. But it's if just because you get, so say digital marketing strategy is something you want to get found for, right? So you write these awesome blogs and you follow all the rules, do all the cross links and all that stuff. Well, Here's the problem with that. Just because I can get listed number one organically in my area geographically for those keywords doesn't necessarily mean that if somebody asks a question that it's going to come up with me. It'll pick up whoever's VEO optimized best, right? So when it comes to voice engine optimization, you have to think about it this way. The, the old concept of, um, okay, let's figure out search intent. People search for basic keywords when they're trying to info InfoSeek. They, the more detailed the, the question is, the more specific, they're closer to the decision-making process. With voice engine optimization, most of that is straight up out the window because we talk to our voice assistants. We talk to those. So when you're writing a blog, the, it's so, it, so the cool thing is a lot of the voice engine optimization stuff is the same principles of SEO. So if you've done your keyword research and you understand long tail keywords and questions and related keywords, that sort of thing, if you are writing content, long form content, which I have an update on that in a minute too, put a pin in it. If you're writing long form content, if you, for like your H2 or H3 headers in that, if you frame it in a question as if it's the person asking the question, what you'll find out is that there will be, um, you'll get found easier on voice, is what it comes down to. Because voice uses three things they use one, who answers a question most directly, two, Whose uh, vicinity location wise is closest to you, especially if it's a product or service? And three, uh, how credible is that source? So, using old school SEO, does it have a lot of backlinks? Is it something that people click on a lot? Is it what people are looking for, essentially, right? When you're writing out content or you're doing video content, this is especially important on YouTube um, with titles or in the description. You know, you got 5,000 characters, you might, might as well use them, right? Think about it that way because if somebody wants to see a video about something, And you have that video. Literally, write out those words because even though voice recognition software is getting more and more advanced, the algorithms are going to be able to transcribe all of that. In fact, they can in some cases with closed captioning. That right there is 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 a key part. They still read the descriptions. I always tell people the descriptions aren't necessarily for the viewer; it's for the algorithm. That's my thought.
2: Having like an FAQ section can be really valuable. Then, right?
1: So FAQ is my favorite. So um, FAQ is such a golden uh, opportunity area for a lot of reasons. One, it's an excellent way to get featured on snippets. Two, it's easy to repurpose that content into short form video. you want to, not sure what to do a 30 second video on boom, pick one of your favorite FAQs right A lot of times if you check your Google uh, analytics you see that the questions are things that are, people are searching for that they're finding you for anyway, there's an FAQ right And so uh, a lot of the the FAQ is absolutely perfect for that. Also know that, VEO uh, likes bullet points and they like numbers. The, the algorithms for Google, they love bullet points and numbers because it's easy to read off. It's easy for it to understand. Uh, it's all about hierarchy. Another key, key thing here is it's trying to figure out an answer within nanoseconds, right? So the easier you make it for the Google crawlers to do that, the better off you'll be. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> it's so distracting. Good, you no.
1: Know? Hey, I'm not a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Keep talking. So valuable. Keep talking. <laughs> no, yeah, no problem. So, <laughs> I love this. So uh, what I was getting at is this: if you, when you have the hierarchy with the H two, H three, H four, all the way up to H five, that's that's golden for voice. And and I actually even do that. Uh, if I'm doing FAQ, you know, the question will be the H two or H three, either way. And then I'll I'll go into it. I make them mini blogs. I mean, it's short form content, but it's still golden. And in some cases they're their own unique pages. Um, mm-hmm. But before I forget, I do want to tell you. So I've always told my clients that 600 words or more is what it takes to be considered long-form content. Uh, I recently read, and I can't cite my source here. I wish I could, but I'd taken so much, it's hard. It's now bare minimum 1,200 words, 1,200 to 1,500 words to be considered uh, long-form content, and that is now short-form content, which means it doesn't get indexed as a blog, which means it's less SEO value.
0: I mean, I guess that makes sense just based on how flooded things are and how many people yep. are just blogging to their heart's content. Do you feel like that happened because of COVID and more people online and reinventing themselves, or has that been like the standard even before the last year and a half or so?
1: I think I think the reason that that happened is probably because you know, Google looks for people who are not just regurgitating information, but giving their own take, adding to the knowledge of the virtual universe, Hmm. the metaverse, if you will. (laughs) The
0: metaverse, good segue.
1: (laughs) But that's the whole thing is Google really wants to provide not only value, but unique valuable insights. Because I mean, let's let's face it. Yes, attention is currency, but the easiest way to grab attention is to show something that nobody's seen before. The problem is, that's impossible. Everybody's seen everything at this point, right? So when you're able to add your own unique take on something, you know, it's it's an interesting balancing act because you still want to be able to cite your source, right? You still want to be credible in that aspect, but you you want to dive just a little bit deeper than that. Um, and I think that Google has come to realize that the more information you provide, the better. I remember now my source. It's SEM Rush. There's a blog on SEM Rush and that's. I think it is. People have been home. They've been blogging more. They've been writing more. They've been vlogging more. They've been looking for ways to connect. And so when you provide more data, Google likes it better. So they've just kind of changed the definition.
0: Aside from search engines, I really want your take on this. I know how important alt text is when it comes to social media posts. Do you recommend that to your clients? Do you recommend it for every post? What's like the guideline that you teach involving alt text?
1: So alt text is an interesting thing. I recommend it all the time anyway, because of accessibility. I mean, what it really comes down to is that I don't care what platform you're on. I don't care if it's Google. I don't care if it's Facebook. I don't care if it's LinkedIn, Instagram. Every platform wants to keep you on that platform and wants to help you connect. They want to give you the best experience. And if you're somebody who, you know, has to use the aid of a screen reader, for example, that that alt text matters because you don't have the same experience. In fact, there was a, a, a while back Where websites, the WCAG 2.0 or 2.1, wherever we're at, for those who don't speak nerd like us, uh, (laughs) website compatibility guidelines, um, accessibility guidelines, rather. So there was a while there where there was law firms in California that were suing big companies who didn't have alt descriptions because users weren't getting the same experience. And so it was discrimination. And that's, I mean, if you think about it, it takes a few minutes to write something out. You're giving more keyword value. You're giving more of a chance to get discovered. And frankly, you're giving people a better experience, which is better overall. So I always recommend all text, um, meta descriptions, all that stuff. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Same here.
0: (laughs) Same here. Okay. 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 Metaverse. Let's get into this. Let's get into this. Okay. Because for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about here, metaverse, this is something Facebook has finally said, I think this week, like we're doing this. It's official metaverse is coming. Get ready for it. Can you tell the listener, Stephen, what the heck that is? What we can expect, the good, bad, the ugly, what you foresee. Lay some knowledge on me.
2: Yeah, I have no idea.
1: I don't know. Sounds cool though, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Sci-fi, I don't know. Um, (laughs) uh, No, the metaverse is a big deal. In fact, Zuckerberg said within the next 10 years, Facebook won't be a social media platform. It'll be a metaverse platform. Mm -hmm. So it it is a big deal. It will impact uh, everyday users. It'll impact businesses in a big way. And it will ironically fold into some of the other things we've spoken about. Cryptocurrency, NFTs, all of that will fold into it. So the metaverse, the best way to describe the metaverse is it's kind of the Internet of Things virtually. It's the place where technology, virtual reality, AR. Right now, we're in the metaverse. Right now, this is the metaverse. When you can have conversations with people on the other side of the planet, on the other side of the country, virtually, as if you were sitting right there, that's the metaverse, but it doesn't have to be 2D. So here's the misconception people get. Um, in fact, today Zuckerberg announced that, uh, well, Facebook wasn't just him. Uh, they announced a thing called WorkRooms, Horizon WorkRooms. Okay, And Horizon WorkRooms uses the Oculus 2 technology and it's virtual spaces where you have an avatar. And I think that they've been working on this for a while. So anybody who's been on Facebook knows that you were able to make yourself an avatar. And that was kind of cool. And they've talked about rooms, which they've made, right? I think ultimately they want to make it so that the connectability is so simple that anybody logging in from any device in the world will be able to connect virtually. The idea behind these workrooms is that you can share. It's like having a virtual meeting like this, except if I were wearing the Oculus, I could turn to the left, there's Rory, turn to the right, and there you are. And, And the crazy part about it is you can share because we all have our own virtual workspaces with like six screens or however many screens we want that we take with us. You can share five documents at once. So you're not just screen sharing one document or whatever. And there'd be a virtual dry erase board, all of this stuff. So it's, it's a virtual space. But what's really crazy about it is it's not just virtual reality. We could look up on our virtual concert from the wall, and there's somebody who joined from Zoom. So they would have access to it too. So to put this in a different term, Ariana Grande, I want to say, maybe, uh, did a full-on concert on Fortnite. And they basically had a lobby where people could log in and it was like a two hour concert virtually through Fortnite. And all these kids got together and they met my son plays a lot of Roblox Roblox. It, that's all, that's all virtual. And the funny thing is he's interacting with real world because he's got his phone that he's using. He's uh, you have to spend Robux, which if you're a parent Roblox is a money suck. There's a reason that their stock is through the roof right now. Anyway, uh, I digress. So, um, but he can you spend real money to get essentially NFTs, virtual things, right? And so he's in the meta the meta universe. He's he's there. Um and even Minecraft. My daughter plays Minecraft and she gets on, she's got like four friends, and they build a world together virtually. And you know, she can't physically interact with it. However, if she had Microsoft's headset, there's a virtual reality there. Heck, even the, the PlayStation headset has virtual reality. It's essentially removing a barrier for connection and making you feel like you can connect to the person next to you. So I'm going to throw this out there. This is something I've been giving a lot of thought to. I haven't said anything on my podcast on any platform. So we were talking about how I kind of get these feelings. I want to put this out there and it's more so that in a year, two years, three years, I can look back and go, I knew that. Have you guys ever heard of the company magic leap? No. So magic leap is a company that Google invested in, millions if not like two billion a ridiculous amount of money into and it's a startup okay it was a startup this is a few years ago and magic leap it's an augmented reality but the crazy part about it is you put on the headset and instead of showing you a screen it projects it into your eyeballs so right it's bad (laughs) well it's crazy so if you just google if you YouTube magic leap you'll see it but there's like uh they showed where these kids were all in Uh, a big auditorium uh, or I'm sorry, a basketball court. And all of a sudden this giant whale leaped out of the basketball court and it looked like he was right there. There was a place where this little girl opened her hands and there was a baby elephant standing on her hands. It looked like it was just there. It's all augmented reality. But the one that I really liked was he, there was a virtual workspace where this person like essentially Tony Stark the hell out of it. It, You know what I mean? Like you think Iron Man, Tony Stark, the augmented reality, Jarvis, all that. That's what Magic Leap is. Now, they went completely and, and they talk about, you know, I, yeah, I, I played chess with Abraham Lincoln uh, last night. He was sitting on my couch and we played chess and it's it's all programmed and it's all virtual there. So it tracks your fingers so you do that. I firmly believe that uh, if this company, I don't know what happened to it. I haven't looked into it, but that company will make a huge leap forward in, in the meta realm. Very soon,
0: the technology sounds so interesting. In just doing a quick Google search here while you're talking, it says that in April 2020, Magic Leap decided to shut down its consumer division oh, and laid off—I know about a thousand employees—or and that's half its workforce. And then in yeah. May 2020, the existing CEO said that he would replace himself, uh, but still staying on board for development. So I guess it looks like uh, the company just got a major lifeline with a 350 million dollar raise. So the technology is still being developed. It's just a matter of the consumer side temporarily paused. So,
1: Well, I mean, you had the, the Google glasses for a long time, right? And that was a super, super early version of, of of this augmented reality. And there's a great SNL bit where he's like, Peacock, Peacock. And he's trying to connect to the <laughs> Wi-Fi for NBC. And uh, <laughs> so good. Um, but I, I don't think that that's far off. And I think the hardest part about it is Mark Zuckerberg said this in a, in a recent interview. The hardest part about it is people don't really want to wear a big clunky headset, especially if they're cla- claustrophobic. But how do you fit what is essentially a supercomputer into this, mm-hmm. into a tiny glasses frame? You're, we're talking about all the connections that you need, essentially speakers, uh, which bone conduction headsets, I don't know if you're familiar, but mm-hmm. I actually have some. Bone conduction headphones, I think are going to be the thing that, that they end up using for that too. But the technology will have to catch up. and with you know, nanobots and all the crazy stuff that they can do with that, that's where I think it'll really take off. When you can show me a set of glasses instead of a giant clunky headset, that's the part that is next level. And I think we're probably eight years out from that, if that.
0: It's fascinating to think about Google Glass. So I grew up in the Bay Area, right? And so yeah. I, I moved into the South Bay, deep into the Silicon Valley, and I would see people Riding their bikes to work with Google Glass on, I'm thinking, what are you paying attention to? It's like super distracting. But from where I'm sitting, it looks like wearables overall kind of failed just because no one really, I mean, from the Google side of things, I don't know if it wasn't cool enough or what, but it seemed interesting. And I know like the Apple Watch, you know, the Apple Watches, people are into that. That's great. I am very curious to see where this is going to go because obviously, to be in an augmented reality, you've got to like stick something on your face. So what is going to become cool? And I can't really speak to this because I like from a, is it cool or is it not cool? Because I've never done the Oculus, any of that. It totally freaks me out. I like to be in this reality. So (laughs) just, just knowing things are like moving in that direction. I know I need to be aware of that being a parent now kind of, I mean, just, just seeing how things are, are going. It's cool. I get, I get the, the technology and like the just the incredible leaps that are, that have been made since, I mean, I'm the last generation where I remember when there wasn't a computer, like this is it. I mean, I, I well, remember like the internet was born and I, I was part of that transition.
1: That's we'll never... thing, I'm older than the internet.
0: <laughs> I'm older than the internet.
1: Barely. My yeah, nephew asked me that once he said, how old are you? And I was like, I'm older than Facebook. <laughs> older than the internet. So you're old. <laughs> yeah. You know it. I'm old. And the sad yeah. thing is, I'm only 40. We're, here's, here's something that'll really blow your mind. And my mother-in-law didn't get it. And she's, she's from another generation. But I told this to my wife and she about cried. I said, do you realize that we're closer to 2050 than we are in 1990? Wow! <laughs> the look on both your faces. I'm sorry. It's true, though. I mean, that's, the, the time has just flown by and technology is advancing so rapidly. It's, it's nearly impossible to figure out where we're. But I think the challenge for us as marketers is how do we advise people to be aware of this? So like the NFT side, one of my clients was like, should I be getting into NFTs? And I was like, well, uh, not for what you do. You know what I'm saying? If you want to do it on, on, on a personal level, that might be a good investment, might not. It's, it's a gamble. But where, what I was thinking when I heard about the metaverse is, okay, from a marketing perspective, one, it would be brilliant to sponsor a virtual uh, concert one. Two, it would be brilliant to invest in a virtual billboard. So if you know that they're going to have this virtual concert, reach out, see who you've got to be, have your logo hovering in the background the entire time. Mm -hmm. That brand awareness and being tied to that event, because let's face it, we are in the world of now. It is moment by moment. People invest now less in physical objects than they do in moments and in connection. And I think that's, you know, COVID really pushed people to want to connect so badly. And it opened our world in ways we never thought possible. So I think that that's where, you know, to kind of bring it back to the metaverse thing, that's the marketing aspect of it is okay. Yes, you should be paying attention to it, but on what level kind of depends on where you want your business to go.
2: Yeah. Technology is moving forward. It's moving really fast. Fast. Problem is, is humans inherently as a whole, Don't have buy in to new things. It stalls new technology from catching on.
1: Why do you think that is?
2: Well, you have early adopters, right? In any market. Yeah. But it's usually a small segment. People like to wait and see until something is proven and usually wait longer than they should wait. Yeah. Because of being scared of the risk. That's where we end up. Um, where like electric cars have been around for like thirty years or more, right? but why is it only just starting now to actually be possible for you know people to have them as everyday life? Mm-hmm. because they weren't investing in making the technology, even though it's you know better for the environment or whatever. you know they weren't investing in the technology even though it existed because there wasn't enough people interested in it and willing to say, I'm going to make this a part of my life. I think we'll run into some of that with this technology, just like Dominica said, like you were saying that you don't want to be outside of real reality. Other people, a lot of people are going to feel like that. There's going to be pushback against it. And then things will get stuck in litigation and it'll be harder to pass laws There'll be rules, there'll be regulations about how it can be used, not used, et cetera. Um, that's gonna take a long time to sort through before it actually becomes a real part of everybody's reality.
1: Yeah, governing the space, I think is gonna be a very real challenge. I think it already is. You know?
2: It's definitely
1: an interesting challenge and I think that's why it's more important to be an early adopter yeah. because mm-hmm. you'll get your name out there. You know, Worst case scenario, if it completely bombs and nothing happens of it, you learn, you grow. <laughs> that's, that's really yeah. what it comes down to. You, you lose nothing except for a little bit of time, which isn't really even lost because you've invested.
2: Yeah. Right. So I think the biggest thing that like, as, as business owners, we can take away from any of this is that new technologies are being created and we have to be the early adopters if we want to benefit from that. Yeah. Right. Because yep. like you said. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, Reels or it's something with Facebook or it's something with LinkedIn, what ends up happening? The platforms and the algorithms, in, you know, and the owners of the companies, they want to push it out to as many people as possible right away to get people to buy in to using it. Money, well, money reach, yeah. they over expose it, which means you get additional exposure in the beginning until it's adopted by enough people when it's adopted by enough people then it starts trickling down we saw that like facebook lives used to be like 10 times the traffic yeah. of anything else on facebook and then suddenly it was like barely getting any traction you know a few years later
1: yep
2: right because yeah. their whole model is based on advertising so they're going to give organic exposure to new stuff and then dip it down, and then make you pay advertising to use that technology with the platform. So be on the forefront of this stuff is the main point here.
0: Yeah. I have a little bit of a difference of opinion on this one. Can I share? Sure. So I, yes, I'm fully on board with the, it is important to be the front runner, get there, do it. We can learn from it. If it sucks, move on. I totally get that. But certain aspects for me, like I'm still living in the day and age where I refuse to use Bluetooth earbuds. I won't do it. I'm so wired. I'm concerned that it's going to have some sort of repercussions later on that we don't know about. I'm that nerd going through the airport where I'm like, female assist. I refuse to go through like the the freaking radiation spin thing, which in reality, it's probably fine. I'm weird that way. I just, I don't want any extra stuff, you know? And so- that's my concern from from like the mama bear standpoint of like, how far are we going to go with technology that's being branded as this great tool when really we don't know what it could potentially turn into later, right?
2: Well, But that goes exactly back to what I was saying is yeah. that you're going to have a whole group of people who feel exactly the same way, who aren't going to want to adopt. I was just talking from a marketing standpoint, when new technology comes that you can utilize in your business, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like personal opinions about whether or not, you know, your radiation at the airport, <laughs> you get it or not. Right. Because th- that's personal choice. Everyone has that choice to make. Yeah. Right. If they so want to and are informed. Right. But when it comes to like the
1: radiation, it kills the parasites.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what
1: See, but it's, it's so,
0: mind. oh my gosh, it's so hard for me because like the marketing mind and like the tech nerd it's like all about it until I'm faced with it and I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's tough. It's like it's a it's this constant internal battle with myself of like, are we turning into Wally? You know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that there you go. Perfect. That's the metaverse. Yeah. There's people floating around on the chairs, yeah. that's the metaverse
0: that's what I'm saying. And that to me, it totally freaks me out. But I also see how, how for people who we're talking about people who are disabled and they can't travel and they can't go places. What an amazing gift, all these amazing tools that technology affords us. Mm -hmm. It's, it's about finding a balance, right? Like, I I feel like that's so important with every bit of technology. You got to find the balance and what works for you and your business. Does it make sense for your brand? Can it come alongside and actually, you know, help boost exposure or whatever it is? And I think we just have to continue to make those decisions based on, you know, all of our morals and whatnot and weird idiosyncrasies or whatever,
1: you know, yeah. Well, I, would, I would argue that that's, that's the challenge of a company is he who makes it the most accessible, the fastest is the winner. Mm. Because here's the thing. I, I mentioned these before. This particular brand, these are bone conduction. They sound better if I'm wearing earplugs because they bypass the ear. The eardrums and they put it through bone vibrations into my head. I didn't start with these. I started with the wired one. I, these are Bluetooth, right? So if, if you can offer the opportunity to join into whatever the technology is, you know, it's the same concept as, okay, so here's the best way to put it. It's kind of like, should I be on every platform? No, but you should go all in on the platforms you're on, right? That's, the, that's a general rule, right? That being said, do you want to have something in, in each platform? Maybe, you know what I mean? Because the if, if say for example, I, you guys, this is perfect. Oh my God. So here's the deal. Big picture business. You guys do this as a YouTube video. You promote it as not only YouTube, Facebook, Instagram ads. You promote each show that way. You also have it obviously as a podcast, right? The growth podcast podcasts on Instagram is through the roof. I'm sure you could transcribe this entire conversation and make a massive set of blogs out of it. And the reason that we do that is because you want to give the content in the way that your audience is going to consume it. Some people can't, they don't, they don't want to sit down and read. Some people can't, they don't, they don't want to have their face shown on a camera on a zoom call. That's why you can turn off the camera and still be a part of it. That's why you can dial in. Right. So it's all about, it. you know, back to the accessibility thing, the more accessible, the better that's, that's my thought. hundred
0: percent. agree.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about this conversation is like, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I'm sorry. I know. Well, no, oh, no,
0: don't apologize. This is no,
2: the no friends, the no, it's, the it's great because these are the types of conversations we love having because as the podcast as a whole, we want people to like see how like we run businesses and how we approach the mindset behind what we do, because that's what has led to the success. Yeah. And Without that type of mindset and being curious and being willing to try things and test things, we wouldn't be where we're at, and our clients wouldn't be where they're at. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: It's great because when I talk to people, I have I have a real passion about marketing. Obviously, when I talk <laughs> to clients, you know you have to keep your audience in mind. So I'm talking about things that are here. And they're here. (laughs) And so, you know, I I get carried away sometimes and they they're like, I'm going to hire you because you're enthusiastic. Not because and and because I trust, you know, what you're talking about based on the fact that, you know, a lot about it. But, you know, so I have to remember. So the nice thing about talking to you guys is you you are my people. Like when I'm speaking (laughs) to you guys, I feel feel like I don't have to translate or re-speak or repurpose what I'm trying to say. So that's
0: nice. I hear you. This is my happy place when we can speak nerdy to each other. It's my favorite thing. I got to tell you, I've gone through that so many times and I've had to train myself to speak to the audience, to be very clear, like don't use a bunch of acronyms. I was just telling Rory that the other day. It's like, sometimes we get going in acronyms and we got to slow it way down and go, okay, let's, let's back this up to make it palatable. Just like you said, Stephen. like people are like, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about, but you sound like, you know, what's up. So I'm going to go ahead and hire you so we yeah. can work. You know, go both ways, right?
2: Yeah, you have you have to show that you're an expert and that you know what you're talking about. But at the same time, you also have to be able to have conversations with people so that they can understand. More and more, as I have students as opposed to done for you clients, mm-hmm. I'm realizing how far I have to go back mm-hmm. to just the basics mm-hmm. to where maybe I was. 15 years ago.
0: Isn't it awesome to revisit though?
2: But then you go, Oh, okay. I see where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. They've never been exposed to some of this stuff and that's fine. Yeah. Perfectly fine. Because That's our job is to help them.
1: Exactly. So the SWOT analysis is a prime example of that. I talked about it on one of my shows that I believe, you know, for those who are not in the marketing world, it's it's, taking a real close look at, at your internal strengths and weaknesses and the external opportunities and threats, right? That's, That's old school marketing. So it's been around forever, right? Still super relevant. And when you can reframe that and teach people to how to do that, you're teaching them competitive analysis basics. I, one of my favorite books of all time is how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Yes. And have, this thing has so many tabs in it, but these are concepts from 90 years ago still thousand mm-hmm. percent relevant so some things truly are timeless and and even if we have to preach it a thousand times over it's new um, a, a great analogy is uh, ever since I was about six years old I, w- I was into magic tricks. I love magic tricks I always have my uncle pulled a quarter out of my ear from nowhere and then all of a sudden pulled it out of the same quarter out of his own nose it, it was magic right and so I was addicted I loved it and when I a few years ago I had found a book from like 1920. And it was from a guy named Howard Thurston. It was like 200 tricks you can do and 200 more tricks you can do. And I'm reading through it. And these are all tricks that he had done and Houdini really liked this guy. And so it's a big deal. But what was amazing is I took a lot of those tricks and I modernized them with a new deck of cards thinking because this book's been around for a hundred years of course, everybody's gonna know it, right? And it turns out they'd been forgotten about. Nobody, so I looked brilliant and here I'm just repurposing content from a hundred years ago. And that's kind of how it is with just about everything. What goes around comes around. It's the cyclical nature of life, right? When you can recognize those types of things and figure out how to repurpose them to fit other needs, it's magical. In fact, I think that the biggest thing that we've all three kind of tiptoed around is it's very audience-specific. Not only that, but it's very client-specific. So one of the things that I, I, it drives me nuts is if a client comes to me and says, "Hey, are you familiar with this?" And I'm not. I, I have no problem owning it and saying, "You know, what? I'm not heard of that. Let me do a little research and get back to you." But the, the accountability side of that is, then I have to do that, right? And so, it's not going to be for everybody. It's not going to be for everybody. And so, if they say, "You know, hey, should I be getting on TikTok?" Well, maybe. Let's talk about your business. You know, is your audience on TikTok? <laughs> it, 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 are you planning to repurpose that content for Reels and other things? Right. So it's, it's definitely something that I'm very conscientious about and realizing that there is no one size fits all. It's unique.
2: Yeah. Speaking of magic, I, w- I was just rewatching Death by Magic. Have you seen that? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah,
1: definitely good stuff.
2: <laughs> I pay attention to the languaging and the positioning, right, of influence that's used hmm. to get people to make and choose decisions that you want them to make because I'm not a wordsmith, but it is so powerful that you can use your language to influence multiple people all at once to get them to do what you want. Now, not only language, but visuals and, and, uh, even more probably we'll get into like augmented influence pretty soon. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And virtual influence and all of that stuff. Right. As part of being a business owner, like just understanding That you are having influence in the world is really foundational to what, what we do and that whether you do something or whether you don't do something, you know, has an impact, has an impact on your life. It has an impact on the lives of the people that you work with. And, you know, you're the one who gets to choose whether it's a good impact or not. Mm. Right. So what do you want that to look like for yourself?
1: I agree. Yeah. My, my son does YouTube and uh, he, I, he, I let him do YouTube because he loves YouTube and he wants to be a YouTube star. And me being me, how can I tell him, no, you can't be a content creator? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you know I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah. So he has a YouTube channel and he has um, like 31 followers. Right. And he kept saying, dad, why don't I have a million followers? And I said, what you don't understand is that if you have more than, if you have one person that subscribes to you, if you have one person that follows your page, if you have one person that reads your content, that's an impact. That's it. That's, that's it. You've just, that person has taken time out of their life to give to you. And if they've been nice enough to subscribe to you, that's a whole circle of people. I mean, I, 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 I tell this to clients a lot. You hit something really close to home for me there, Lori. I tell clients this a lot. You have influence on every platform you're on in every interaction you have your job is to make it as positive as humanly possible Mm. i firmly believe the secret to life is that and and what you're supposed to the purpose of life the reason that we're all alive is to leave this world a little bit better than when we came in so i do that on a very very nano level with every interaction i have i make a conscious effort if at all possible to say okay is this person better off or um, did I learn something from this? How did, how did this experience come out stronger and better? And when we're talking about audience and and how many followers you have, it doesn't matter because one person is enough to make a huge change.
2: And that there is exactly why your business growth is going to shoot through the roof
0: crossed. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. I hope so. One hundred. Well,
2: you just keep doing that. Is yeah. that it really is. Um, when you put your your clients first, you put their interests at heart mm-hmm. and do everything you can to serve them. It just comes back.
0: Ten, a hundred, a million times. fold.
2: It's crazy, yeah. in, but it doesn't always happen like day one and it doesn't happen in ways you expect Patience. Patience
0: yeah. and relationships, not transaction chips. <laughs> <You> gotta <laughs> yeah. get that in there. And, you know, I, I really feel like as a marketer, as marketers, we have a great responsibility. It's a lot. It's, it's amazing when clients come to us and they're, they're trusting us with their baby. You know, it's like, okay, look, here's what I've done up to this point. How can you help me? It's the ultimate responsibility. And then we walk around in the world, like how this conversation started, where it's like, I know so much. And sometimes I know too much where I have to remove myself from situations because I'm like, there is so much wrong with this, (laughs) but they didn't hire me to share this. I'm going to walk away or let me please help you. Like, let me give you some information here. It's a lot of responsibility. And so, you know, for all, for all of you listening, if you're considering hiring a marketing agency, a marketing consultant, a business growth consultant, a coach, whatever that looks like, whether it's one of us from this call, if you want to chat with Steven, I'm sure we'll have a link in the show notes for that. But listen, be looking for an individual who has similar values and morals behind what it is that we're trying to accomplish and that we do accomplish again and again with our clients. Truly, you know, not just the flash in the pan, not the I'm going to get you a million followers and here's how we'll do it. No, like it, it stems from this genuine, this genuine real want to help you succeed. And that yeah. is why we do what we do. And I love so much that, yes, even though we do similar things that we can still come on calls like this and share knowledge, it's not a competition. It's let's all continue to add value together for the greater good so that people can continue to level up and break through those growth plateaus. And that is why we have the Big Picture Business Podcast. So yeah. thank thank you for taking taking the time yeah, with I'm us. Good. You know, I mean, this is, this is so cool. So how can people connect with you? What is the very best way? Instagram website. What do you got?
1: So on, on all of the social platforms, it's uh TDGR podcast, which stands for the deep gripping reality podcast, because when an idea hits you like a deep gripping, it's, it's deep, it's gripping. It grabs you, right? That's the deep gripping reality. So TDGR podcast at TD on, on all the platforms, um, even a clubhouse and a bunch of other weird ones that you've probably never heard of, but that's, that's one way. Also my website is a marketing strategy.com and I get all the messages from there. So, you know, obviously if you want to check it out there, that's probably one of the best ways to get a hold of me. I do free consultations. I mean, if I have one flaw as a business owner, it's that I give away way too much for free. Like, uh, you know, the old, the joker saying of if you're good at something, never do it for free. Yeah. I, I'm, Sorry. So you get Uh, one free consultation usually.
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. A lot of times, especially if you're selling high ticket, you know, product services, most people don't realize is that you have to be willing to give away more than you actually think you should Mm -hmm. if you're wanting to stand out and to actually make the sales these days. Things have changed. Yeah. That's that's what I keep uh, saying to everyone is you know, you're going to have to step up and put out more and be willing to let go of some of the quote unquote secrets and share that with no intention of actually getting a, a client out of it. You may not, that's perfectly fine. But if you, you go in with that attitude, I'm just here to serve you, to help you. It magically just circles around yeah. and comes back somehow. You, know, you don't even know because it might be like three years later when you spoke with someone, they come back and they're like, Hey, you know, I've got this, uh, this person I think would be perfect to work with you. I mean, it happens all the time.
1: Isn't that crazy?
2: Yeah. It's
0: awesome. It's full circle. You put it out into the universe and go, okay, I'm open. I'm open to whatever opportunity we even, I don't know if you saw this. We got a comment on a, on a, on one of our YouTube videos last week that said, how is this free? Like I'm getting so much value (laughs) and I'm like, yay, yay. That's exactly what we're after. You know, give it away because at the end of the day, nobody can do exactly what we do. You know what I mean? Because we're all super unique in the way that we do things. That's what makes it so valuable. So yes, keep giving it all away as you can. I mean, you got to pay your bills, of course, but you know, give it away as you can. And then Steven, you also mentioned that you've got this amazing product in the pipeline, right? Can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah.
1: So I'm going to be launching, hopefully by the time that this episode goes live, I'll have it ready to go and it'll be available on marketingstrategy.com. But I've put together a, a really comprehensive guide with tons of little checklists in it for, you know, how to, how to, how to create a complete and comprehensive social media strategy. And as of right now, I've included a bonus SEO checklist guide, which I may end up pulling out of there and making it its own product because it's so good. But I I think I'll probably end up keeping it in there. But it's the first of I think many things to come like that. I think it's amazing how many I said there is no one size fits all, but you can give a good roadmap. And I found that that's what there's a high demand for. And so if I can offer these products and it helps somebody advance their business, then I'm all about it. And so I'm going to share with you my ultimate secret to success. Are you ready? Let's have it. The reason I'm so good at what I do is because I, it's very easily easy, easy for me to become personally invested in the success of the people I work with. That's all it is. I have a personal interest. No matter who I'm working with, no matter what I'm doing, free consult, it doesn't matter. It's very easy for me to want it just as bad as the person that I'm talking to, mm-hmm. it's that easy. And and I think that was probably the hardest part about going solo was I had all these strategies for international companies I was working with and I just had to trust that they were gonna work. I, I can't follow up, I can't see how it's going other than oh. watching from afar. And it's so, that was the most heartbreaking part for me was it's like, we split up, but you guys got the kids. You know what I mean? And it's not that I want them for client purposes. It's because I got to know these people. I got to be invested in their success. And I, nothing makes me feel more tickled inside and, and ecstatic than when I see them applying things that we have talked about and still applying it, seeing it be successful. It's just, maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know. But I love seeing people succeed. Wow.
2: I'd say that's not an ego thing because most yeah. people are only thinking about themselves yes. and what they get out of it yeah.
1: it's the secret
2: hard sauce hard. though yeah <laughs>
0: that's just your heart that's just your heart and you're amazing and i'm so happy that you reached out to me on instagram and said oh hey what's up fellow marketer let's chit chat <laughs> this has been yeah. so much fun you guys Better. listen we're gonna have all the links on how you can connect with steven edelman and wow i i want to keep talking but out of respect for your time. I'm sure you're busy. We're going to cut it here. That is it for this week, you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.
2: Bye.